0: here at sisu we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced doctor-developed scientifically-backed industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective lightest talkable breathable comfortable drinkable removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected mm. no matter what comes your way the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu, talk, breathe, drink.
1: This call is being recorded. At Sisu, we take a very
0: scientific...
2: What's up, everyone? Welcome to yet another Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. But today we have a special guest, Jerry Byrne, defensive coordinator for Notre Dame on with us today. Couldn't be more excited to have him, obviously. Probably one of the best defensive minds uh, in the game today. Um, his team is playing phenomenal down the stretch, as always. Um, and uh, we get to ask him a few questions today. He did have <laughs> some suggestions for us on questions, Jerry. W- what was the suggestions? Something about mid eighties rap you know, bands. I think a lot um, of it.
3: Culture of you know eighties teen comedies for, for guys who were living in 80s teen comedy when they were growing up.
4: Awesome, Burnsy. Well, I'm going to address that down the stretch of the show. We're going to actually <laughs> test your acumen in that exact arena against none other than R-D.
3: Uh, I got a lot. I got a lot of you. Oh, I can't information wait. About That's going to be phenomenal. Gonna be phenomenal. <laughs> Great. Well, we're going to put it to work. <laughs> Thanks.
2: He, I'm going to get crushed. I'm going to get crushed.
4: Uh, <laughs> all right. So, Percy, first and foremost.
2: Oh, uh, Go ahead, you know, AT, We've been friends to, for a real long time.
4: Played against each other a million times. Uh, you know, I think, I think you clearly, uh, as a humble guy, I, I know you may not admit this, but I think it is widely uh, understood that you are now the premier defensive coach in the country. I think we're, you know, in the 90s, clearly – Bill Tierney had separated himself from the group on his way to winning, you know, six national championships, um, you know, at Princeton. But I think that that baton has been passed, and I don't mean that as a knock on Coach Tierney. Um, I mean that simply because your success at Notre Dame and what you've been able to do at that end of the field is absolutely undeniable. Um, you know, when you are building your defenses year to year, um, you know, wh- what are the building blocks that go in to that? You know, you guys start, um, you know, when your guys return in the fall and when you start to build your defense, where do you start as it relates to, you know, okay, first we deal with the on ball defender. That's the first thing we build. And then the second thing we build is the crease play in support of that. And then Beyond that, we deal with the off-ball perimeter players. You know what? What's the order of incorporating all of the components, the building blocks of your defense, so that you end up uh, ideally peaking at the right time each year in May as you guys compete to win the national championship?
3: You know, I think the thing you start with is that you know they've always played good defense here. You know, you go back and look at DJ Driscoll and. Mike Iorio, who I believe was the first multi-year defenseman back in the middle '90s, you know, along with Randy Colley, probably the first two really important recruits we ever had here, and that, that's you know that was when Kevin Anderson and Coach Corrigan, et cetera were were running the show here. So that combined with always having really good goalies, you know, you can't have a really strong defense without having you know really good goaltenders. You know, those things have to go hand in hand. You can't have a great defense without a good goalie. You can't have a good goalie without a great defense. And so, you know, that, that history, you know, predates uh, anything that that I've done. Um, as far as, you know, kind of the process here, I think, you know, in Coach Gargan's perspective and, and, you know, I embrace is, you know, defense is a total team effort. It's, you know, how you face off, how you balance the pile so you don't give up uh, fast breaks and unsettled things you know, you know the efficiency of your offense how you substitute and things like that trying to minimize other ways that other teams score that if you're getting back to your core strength of six on six defense now they're not finding other ways to to score um, as far as kind of philosophically within that you know recruiting you know multi-directional midfielders because you know we we don't like With all the substitution games and things that are going on to try to trap people, we don't, you know, if the choice between is being 10 yards behind a guy or staying down and play defense, we're going to stay down and play defense. You know, if if it's a switch question and you're a guy who traditionally plays mostly offense and we're going to give up a, a fast break because you're trailing, then you stay and play defense. So kind of philosophically, challenging our guys to like, listen, you were a defensive back or you were a forward or a point guard in basketball. You can't tell me you can't give me five seconds to guard a guy, even though you might not do it to the same level as our guys who are focused as the or, or regular defensemen. So, you know, it's philosophical. And then, yeah, you know, yeah, it does. It starts it starts before guys get here. You know, we're, we obviously put a lot of our drills and the things that we do out online. And we want our guys yeah. embracing that mentality even before they get here. So they've embraced the sense and the and the pride and defense here, so they they they're 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 open to the coaching and they're they they understand that there's a responsibility, uh, you know, a 20 to 30 year responsibility about playing good defense here. Um, and so they they get that they take the ego out of it of of hey, I'm guarding Andy Towers or I'm guarding Ryan Denny. It's more about I just got to guard this guy as well as I can, and I got five guys behind me who are ready to to act. So it's less, less ego. And then, yeah, as you go throughout the fall and get into the season, you're, you're, you're working on the techniques of how you guard guys and particularly how, you know, if you're going to get beat, this is how you get beat. And here's the thing, you know, and and a predictability that has to come around, Hey, less about, Hey, what this guy may do more about, Hey, if you're going to get beat, this is the way you typically get beat. So in a predictability around that. So you, that that's so that's, I, I really love how you, the
4: first thing you do is almost challenge the competitive spirit of the players in your program, you know, and get them to take pride in their respective role in the defensive end and eliminate the ego. It, it, it just seems like such a great approach and would get people fired up to play defense. I mean, when I was in college, as soon as we had to play defense, I ran to the box. I was the first one, to turn four-on-four breaks into a four-on-three break because I was on my way to the box. And, you know, I I think that getting their head right before they come there and fusing that, obviously, with recruiting two- and three-sport athletes that have had success in other areas is, is an interesting place to start. And then it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, even before they get to school, you have them, you know, understanding the parts to the whole thing and then when everybody gets to campus and you're with each other on a day-to-day basis then you put the parts together rather than sort of sit everybody in a classroom give a big macro overview of what we're trying to do here and then break it down or do you or do you do that as well
3: no and you know the, the, the important thing is we we talk very little about how guys cover guys you know and so it completely shifts the, the mentality, which is me versus you. You know, the, the, it has an opposite effect. The less that you talk about, you know, the more you talk about, hey, this is the support that you have from the other five guys, the more you talk about that, and the less that you talk about the one-on-one matchup, the more guys really care about the one-on-one matchup, knowing that they have five guys prepared. So you're kind of, you're pulling a little, you know, Vulcan mind switch. <laughs> On them. And you know, by not talking about it as much, they want to do it really well, and and you know, and but they have the support. They know they have four or five guys behind them that are that are prepared to spring into action. And so you you, you know, so you, you develop a, a a pride in cover, but really a, an appreciation and a selflessness around playing off ball defense. Which you know, listen, even at the top programs, they're still. Hey, I'm Joe. I, I'm covering the best guy on the other team, and they put so much effort and ego into that, which is not a bad thing. But if it becomes too much, the guy cares all about his matchup and is the worst off-ball defender you've ever seen. So that 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 shift is, you know, we'd like that to happen before. They get there. So, you know, relationships with you know the high school coaches and the club coaches, not not as a detriment to their, to their team. I, I don't want to get in between them and how their current high school team is coaching them, but I definitely talk to our committed guys around hey, you know, you need to be the same guy off ball, barely in the camera frame, 15 yards away that you are when you're on the ball when everybody's watching you. You know, so, so that that like to me, it's kind of like parenting. You know, can you when you're not around, when your kids aren't around you, and you're not looking over their shoulder, are they still doing the right thing? It's the same same kind of mentality,
4: right? And and the accountability to their teammates fuels that development and allows you to feel like they are doing the right things when you're not there managing them. I, I think that I, I love that approach. I would think that that to be a defenseman, an on-ball defenseman with that approach would really take the pressure off. Now, obviously, anybody that's had a ton of success and is able to play Division One lacrosse, let alone Division One lacrosse at Notre Dame, clearly has an extremely high standard for themselves. But I think it's got to be refreshing for players, particularly defensive players, because it's basically everybody at one at some point gets beat, um, with the exception of maybe Petro. Um <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you as well at times. Uh but I think that that approach has got to really seem <laughs> like it takes the the pressure off the individual defenseman covering the ball. Um you know and that kind of leads me to my next question which is you know it seems like every year you guys have a defenseman that steps up this year it's Garrett Apple uh you know down low you got John Sexton up top obviously um as two of the best Players At their respective positions before that, Matt Landis, and you could go on and on and every single year, it seems like there is a defenseman or two, uh, you know, that are among the best players in the country. And it speaks to certainly ability to recruit great guys, but more importantly, to develop them after they get to college, Um, you know, and, and do so within the framework of your system. And I know you sort of answered this to some degree, but, you know, can you rank what what's most important when you're looking at your defenseman their ability to play on ball off ball or you know when the ball is sort of on the ground or and in chaos you know what are the what, what's the number one thing if, if if you're dealing with four guys looking to start one you know you got one spot to start
3: what what's the most important piece you know I, th- I think that I th- there's two questions in there one is you know, and this is something that I just found out recently that was completely, you know, kind of blew me away is the, 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 the three quarters of your defensive group, your D your defensemen, long stick middies, that they on their own were, you know, we don't typically start practice for about two weeks or three weeks once school starts because we want our guys to get acclimated and transition. And, yep. you know, for for the returning guys, it's, you know, getting settled in after doing an internship all summer where they probably didn't see the sun for, you know, days on end. So let's <laughs> those guys transition. And then you have, you know, these, you know, three or four defensemen, a couple of D middies coming in. is that on their own, they were doing like a little mini camp, like where they were taking the guys through all the drills that we consistently do and teaching them the language and t- t- total, like, just on their own because, and I think it started because we're very Socratic. Like we start and we're not like doing like, you know, walking through, we throw them right into the fire and you're getting, yeah. you're getting coached hard from, from day one. Like you're supposed to know it already. And so <laughs> right, we're trying right. to, we're trying to figure out who can, who can handle that transition. But so I think a lot of our returning <laughs> guys remembered how painful and awkward that could be. So they're like, I don't want this, I don't want my new teammate to feel that. So, We're going to do this little couple of days, little 30 and 45 minute walkthroughs of our drills and our language. So that when we get started, this freshman's not getting murdered on the first, you know, first drill like he was supposed to know it already. So, um, you know, that that's really, you know, that's really important. Um, And that's just a great I think it speaks to that pride issue and the sense of community here. Is you know really a central part of Notre Dame and a, and a key part of our program. The uh, as far as uh, what I value, you know, listen when you're watching guys in the summer, and we're not we're not as aggressive, uh, barely in, in the, the typical early recruiting. So once you've established the fact that, like, all right, I think that guy's a, a good enough cover guy to cover, you know, the second or third guy that we play. Uh, once you've established that, I, you know I try to watch what guys do when they're off ball. You know, it doesn't, the, most most young guys aren't great off ball guys, but guys who who um, are or clearly take a lot of pride in it, that means they're they're down the road and they're further on that. So I'm looking for guys, the way they make slide decisions, do they care, are they worried about leaving their guy and giving up a dodge and dump, even though that might be the right thing to do in a situation. So I try to, trying to kind of get a little peek into their value set and how they think about defense when they're away from the ball. So spend a lot of time doing that. And so, yeah, the off-ball piece, the off-ball stance, off-ball communication, you know, slide decision, you know, uh, that like, hey, if, if this game was being on film and you were on the edge of the camera age, would you be standing up knock-kneed or are you back in supporting? And don't care about whether your guy gets a skip pass because you needed to come back and, and support on the crease. So kind of look for those things. But at the same time, just because a guy doesn't do it, I don't try to indict him or impugn him too much. He might just not be being caught or taught or being held accountable. A guy who does that when he's 16 or 17 years old, he's been taught it or been told that it's important and he's down the road for me. So, you know, we've all heard, you know, and I preach it, you know, 90, 95% of the time you're off ball. So you got to have a mentality around that. And the earlier you embrace that mentality, you know, the the earlier you're going to be recognized by us, you know, and obviously getting the ball, we've, we've, you know, rarely had, you know, Great guys there, you know Matt Landis. You know became pretty good at it, but when he got here, he was like a peon. I mean, he you know he had the ball. He, he looked like a, he looked like a pizza guy with a slippery pie. And, you know, but I, you know at the same time he,
1: he won't like that. He thought he had a great step. Hell, he played
3: Matt up on Pelham uh, varsity team. But you know, I think that says more about the Pelham than it does about Matt. Is um but the you know but i didn't you know we didn't let oh my god he doesn't have a great stick keep from the fact that that guy was a ridiculous on ball and off ball and and crazy competitive so you know it's like i think john wooden said and coach cargan says all the time don't you know don't keep what you can't do from what you can do you know and that's that's really important you know you can't have everything but the things they have are really valuable to you you'll find a way to get on the field
2: So uh just uh, transitioning to that, um, you know, you talked about the recruiting and uh, you know obviously the new rules with the recruiting process, not being able to start until um, September first of your junior year. How does that affect Notre Dame, and I know you guys are notorious for uh, doing the process your own way, um, you guys will take guys early. You guys will take guys late. You'll take guys when they're ready in their respective processes. In terms of the actual rule uh, itself, does that benefit Notre Dame? Does it benefit the system you've already kind of developed over the last, you know, say five, six years in recruiting? Uh, I, you know, how I don't does it affect any Notre of us, Dame? How does it affect no. uh, Jerry Byrne? You know, we're, we're, we still don't recruit. have
3: a lot of clarity yeah. on. The interpretation, and I think a lot of programs are in the same situation around the language. Or right? you can do this, but you can't do that. There's clear, there's obviously clarity on on obvious things, but some of these gray area things. So I you know I don't know what it means, and so I'm not going to postulate or try to forecast what it means. You know, I think what what we've done, what Coach Corrigan and Coach Anderson and and now Coach Corrigan and I and Coach Gargan are, are doing or trying to leave no. Out, out amongst high school coaches, parents, club club coaches, anybody, you know, guidance counselors, you know, the influencers out there who are, who are impacting young guys is there's no doubt of what it's like to be a student athlete in our program. And so whether it's the videos we put out or our messaging on social media, so even before we can have any interaction with them, like there's there's a transparency about, what you know, we're not looking to be Oz like, right, you you know, the only people who know what it's like to be a student athlete in our program <laughs> is us. and It's a you know, secret squirrel society and a handshake. And, you know, you got a retinal scan to into our locker room is that we're, you know, we want people to know because we want, you know, whether you're seventh grade or 17, that when I when I get to an age of reason, I know what I want. And, and you're gonna, you know, you'll be attracted to us. And once we are able to evaluate you and your your academic credentials and things like that. So, you know, I I don't know what it means. And I don't, you know, I think it's good either way. I don't, I, I really don't have that strong of an opinion, but we would like as many people to know what we're about. And I think we make that clear and continue to make that clear out in the world. And there's a universe of people that will be attracted to what it would be like to be a student athlete here. And that we'll continue to do regardless of what the rules, you know, we obviously will follow the rules and all of that. That's not what I, I meant, but will the right people or the people who are not the right people, but people who are, who understand what we're about will continue to be attracted to what it could be for a student athlete here.
4: So Burnsy, I know you have a uh, huge game coming up this weekend in the ACC semis versus Duke. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up, but I want to ask you One quick question, uh, and then we got one small piece, and then we'll let you go. So, uh, you know, clearly anybody that has played lacrosse at a high level is very, very aware that you have had a Hall of Fame career uh, as a defenseman in this sport. Having played for a very long time, someone that has kept himself in peak physical condition, um, you know, and played let's face it, in, in three different divisions, Lake Placid for, it seems like, 20 years, maybe 25 years. Somebody that, you know, at 37 years old, I believe, was your age when the <laughs> MLL was formed in 2001, right? When we played in the Cannons, were you 37 years old, Bernsie?
3: Uh What year was that? 2001. Was 2001, yeah. So I, I turned, I turned uh, 37, yes.
4: But, which is insane to think that, there was Collier only six stadium.
3: teams, and
4: they basically kept, you know, it seemed I think four defensemen or five defensemen on a roster because there were no polls at the time. So the, the sort of it is you played at an extremely high level for a very, very long time and played against, you know, uh, a few different generations of players. Which guy was the toughest attackman for Jerry Byrne to cover? Who gave you the greatest fits? Because usually – you dominated your guy pretty much every single time. Um, which guy going into a game where you're like, oh, no, this is the one guy that this guy causes me problems i got to be super, super careful with? Toughest, oh. toughest guy of all time.
3: Well, you know, like when you're, when you're older, when we were teammates that first year in the MLL, you know, all those guys, I mean, Watson, you know, Watson, you know, was, was fast and thick and tough you know he you know launched himself so he you know like the guys who really don't care what you can do right what <laughs> they're trying to do to them are the scariest guy is like supportive. So of you know like any sporting event is this <laughs> this you know All right, am i inside this guy's head because i took the ball away from him last time you know but guys like right. you know, watson just didn't care i mean you you know i mean he he dove. He got underneath and dove to the front. And, and yes. he was, you know, crazy competitive. You know, he, mean. He could. He could. He, I mean, he, he like, A sportsman like way. Like if you ever did anything to him, you know, you knew he was coming back. The next. He was demanding the ball the next time around. So that was, you know, being older at that time and and going against these guys that were twenty two years old who really didn't give a care what I was able to do back in the late eighties. So you know, I mean, they were coming back. In the morning, like, <laughs> So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think uh, there, there to be honest with you, there was a guy at Army. I can't remember Joe Joe Gillis. This guy just like he, you know, he like he was unaffected by it. He was a little stiff, but he was very determined to go to the goal. So I just have this nightmare with this guy. Mike Pressler was the assistant co- was the offensive coach at Army, and he'd be screaming from the sideline, "Take that pencil neck to the meeting." <laughs> <laughs> Now listen, I, I weighed I weighed 170 pounds when I graduated college. Six four one seven. I'm like two fifteen now. So you know, presser exhorting this guy to take me to the rap was probably a pretty good strategy. You know, but I, I think I think guys that in general, the guys who are unaffected, you know, emotionally by maybe what happened in the past with your matchup or you know what you may be trying to do to them, that would just you know, the guys who didn't. Double and triple move, where you know, where tall guys like me could and, and change the direction. Where I didn't have the greatest feet, but I could, you know, back back and do things like that. You know, Dave Evans and I used to have some great battles in the summer tournaments, and then at yeah. practice, and you know, we probably both got each other pretty good. But you know, guys who are just unaffected by that, which is a great lesson for for athletes. You know, is hey, what happened in the past? You got to, you know, you know, don't you know, forget the play, but remember the lesson. And that's, you know, I think um, – I'm not – you know, you see that a lot, obviously, in the NBA when you're watching the playoffs. is like, you know, you just get on to the next play, which is a great, you know, mentality to have. 6'4",
4: 170, Burns. Yeah, I have to believe that probably made you frontrunner for the Flo Hyman Award <laughs> at the end of the, you know, UMass lacrosse banquet your senior I was, year.
3: I, I was the – the before the before picture, you know, like,
2: <laughs> uh,
3: you know, that, yeah. So you know, like, but you know, the, the best thing, was, you know, like, I, you know, my brother was a great player. and my, my my closest friend, he was defenseman of the year, and and we both started playing lacrosse really late. And um, when I graduated, you know, I the only reason I I, I made the team at Chaminade my senior year is because Jack Moran happens to be from Levittown, where I'm from, and he had coached my brother on the JV team at Levittown Division. And he'll tell you to this day that the only reason I made that team was, man, his brother's become a really good player at Virginia. I hope so. he's not adopted, which is, I think, which is, what, which is what he thought. You know, so there's got to be some, some connection there. So, um, you know, I thank Jack Moran for keeping me on, on the team, even though I didn't
4: Well, your, your, uh, your humility, Bernsey continues to separate Yeah, I think everybody would agree that you are a, <laughs> uh, a Hall of Fame player for sure. Uh, all right, Bernsey, we're making the transition. This is the favorite part of the show and actually the first time ever. Uh, as R.D. referenced in the beginning, that part of the prerequisite of being able to oh. land you on our show this morning was that we would be able to discuss uh, 80s television shows. So here's yes. the game, and you have a slight yes. advantage over RD in this. So, what we're gonna do, Bernsey, is we're gonna, the question's gonna go to RD first. Yes. And then it's yes. gonna go to you. And if RD says the answer, you can either say correct. or you could say incorrect and then name the right answer, okay? Now, I will say that R.D. is at a distinct disadvantage given the fact that he's in his early 30s, okay? So here's what it's called. It's called name the show. Yes. All right? R.D., what show? And this is the name of the character on the show, okay? So the example I would give would be, you know, Arthur Fonzarelli, and you'd say happy days, right? Okay. Okay. So, name the show. He wouldn't have said happy days. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right. Oh, he'd say no. Joni and Chachi. Oh, uh, okay. So, the first character is <laughs> no. Ken Reeves. Oh,
3: nice. I got this. <laughs> I love Bertie already knows it's the best. <laughs> All
2: right. Who, what show no. is that, RD? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh no! Yeah,
3: yeah. He just passed away. He was the white Ken shadow. Reeves.
4: Yes, he was. He was the uh, coach at I'm Carver out. High School. I no idea. Coach Ken Reeves just passed away. I love it. All right, what is it?
3: <laughs> he was. Yes.
4: I love. I love. I love how they actually. The producers oh, no. of that show had the sle- has a, uh. had a sleazy enough element to them to actually show live footage of when he blew his knee out playing for the Bulls as a lead-in <laughs> of the, show, the program. I love the song, but I always felt a little awkward during that point of the song, humming the song and watching a guy blow his knee out. Yeah. Um, all right, next one. RD, you ready? Larry Dallas.
2: Yes. Larry Dallas. I feel like I know this one. Uh... Oh, it is! It's the upstairs neighbor of Three's Company. Birdsy he stole one <laughs> from you. Three's
1: Company. I,
3: I, I did. I did. I not know that. Oh, <laughs> wow! Well, that's almost
4: worth two, but we're gonna say one yes. one. I love that. All right, next one. No, oh, no, I really stole one. Count Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> i think this is the easiest
1: one of them all i think i think i, I, think oh, I got oh.
3: this one
2: happy days uh, yes i mean he was I have no like happy days or something. You happy remember him, Bernie? Right? right? Do you remember Camelotchi? Oh, I was just, I do. that was that's just what a what random. That was a random. You just You've mentioned it already. Really... So it was like all right. Whatever. I, I need
3: a I need a computer on Denny. I need a camera on computer's Denny's computer because I think he's looking. Oh, uh, that's a great point, <laughs> Danny. You Billerica ball Get off Google. You
2: can't do
4: that. All right, uh, now, no, I one. just guessed
2: happy days. Next I didn't one, do it. Huggy Bear. Oh, nice. <laughs> i'm not nice. i'm not
3: uh, i did i got this one i found oh, it.
2: you made a twitter oh. reference to uh, I'm, uh, ew,
3: I'm, I'm conflicted i think i know it. it's one oh, of the shorts.
2: i'm out on this I, one I'm i don't seeking. know
3: i think it's beretta
2: no, oh, no. It's Starsky <laughs> and in with another I one can't. i'm out i have no That's idea what-
4: when, when Starsky and Hutch used to go on the street to get some yes. dirt on who they were looking and, for, and they'd and stop and by and see a and hockey and bar. Antonio Fargus.
3: <laughs> Do I get points yes. for that? That's the active hey. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're
4: uh, right. Okay, here we go. Number five.
1: <laughs> Johnny Fever. Oh, got it. <laughs> got it. <I>
3: love it. Oh. <laughs> uh- uh, WKRP. And a yes, it is, oh Bernsie. Nice we job. Like a later, All right, we got two, two for Bernsie. Howard, two Hesman. For Howard
4: Hesman. <laughs> yes, that's... that's... <laughs> Listen, he's got a system. Okay, we're on the back half here. It's two for Jesus, Bernsie, two he knows two the guy's for our names. names one this for nobody. Honey bear slipped through the cracks. All right, this is a tough one. Principal Woodman.
3: Nope. Oh, it's uh. Oh. I can see the guy. He's I'm like gonna go save by the bell I right right yes. yep. I oh, oh, I got yep. it. I got it. Welcome back, Cotter. Yes, it is. Welcome back, Cotter. That's exactly right, Principal <laughs> Woodman. All right, <laughs> I, I, Hey, don't worry. I didn't leave my trade table, you know, for ten years when I was growing up. Love it, sound. That's incredible.
2: Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. All right. I didn't either, Three but it was a decade Burnsy, later. I, I'm like, I need to catch the Huggie 80s Bear. that actually made it to the 90s. Next That's one, I need to do. Sergeant Gautrer. <laughs> Huggy Bear is the one. Mm. St- I don't even know.
1: <laughs> you know, oddly, Sar- I don't even know if I would
2: to Google that, I don't even know how to spell that.
4: Okay, uh, Sergeant Gautrer. Hold on a second. Hill Street Blues. No, close though. He was John Baker, and Paunch's boss Sergeant Catrera and chips. Oh, all right. Two for three for three for Bernsey, two for R.D. and two for Sergeant Catrera and Huggy Bear. Three Jeez. left. Mister Bentley.
2: Two for. Oh. A... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Oh, Mr. Uh,
3: Bentley. It's uh Mr. Bentley. It's
2: the it's the guy pass on this yep. spin
3: right. spin off from soap. Is it yep. it's, yeah. uh I can see I can see the actor. The, uh, he's the, he's the rich guy. Yep. yep. I mean, oh, yep. Brent- <laughs> Mr. Bentley. Uh the, oh, he, oh the Jeffersons. Yes, yes, yes. Brenton, yes. <laughs>
4: Yes, he was the neighbor of the Jeffersons. I love that the English guy. And, and, and George Jefferson used to just destroy him as Jefferson. soon as he walked in the room. All right, four for Bernsey, two for R.D., one for Huggy Bear, and one for Principal Woodman. Two left. No, I got Principal Woodman. I didn't get Sergeant Catrera. Oh yeah, you're right. You didn't get Sergeant Catrera. All right, two left. Next one. <laughs> this is going to be a. This is going to be an edge for Bernsey. It's yeah, that's short.
2: right. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mrs. Kravitz. Oh, yes, the nosy neighbor no, in the window. Wait, wait, oh, what? Ah, uh, that's you the. T- say isn't that the yet. woman through the window? <laughs> got it. Got oh, it. you gotta name the show. I. <laughs> I don't yes! know the show it's though. Me, it's Mrs. Kravitz. All right, <laughs> here window. we go. Is, a, is it like? <laughs> he wished or something. I don't That's know. That's easier yes! to spell on Google. Yes! All right, here we go.
4: Four for Birdsey. Yes! Three for R.D. Two. Four. Sergeant
2: Contreras, and Huggy Bear last no, one. No, no, I knew that one. Oscar that one. Goldman.
3: Oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> So that's a $6 million man. That's right. The $6 million oh, man, no.
4: Burnsy. You Finish strong here, Jerry. Go morning. ahead. Love finish
2: it. strong. <laughs> 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 Hope oh, to watch man. it, Good you luck. Thank you so much, Jerry. I guys, appreciate it, sad. man. Good luck Thanks this time, weekend man. in the ACC tournament. It's going to be a great one. All right. All right. When we come back, we'll be uh, we'll be back, and uh, we're gonna finish At up the Sisu, show here. We but take a very uh, scientific approach maximize your comfort. Making sure
0: our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, mouth mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. Mm. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Cease, talk, breathe, drink.
1: Beekman Golf Course is one of New York State's most spectacular 27-hole public facilities. Located in Dutchess County, right off the Taconic Parkway, Beekman boasts a full-service golf shop, driving range, and restaurant with daily specials and cold beverages. Surf the course on the new golf boards, the fast and fun new golf experience. Book your tee time today at BeekmanGolf.com and see the spectacular views of the surrounding Cats Hill and Berkshire Mountains that have made Beekman Golf Course famous for over 50 years. Let's play today.
0: At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. Mm. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink.
1: This call is being recorded. Party. At
4: Sisu, we take a very
0: sight.
2: What's up, dude? <laughs>
4: Ah, we're back. We're back. (laughs) He's one of the, he's one of the sports best characters. What an interview though with uh,
2: Jerry. That was great. Uh, Somebody who Um, has, let's face it.
4: And you know, he's, he's did it all as a player. I I really believe he is a (laughs) hall of fame player. Uh, And uh, again, I, I think that we would all agree that he's established himself as, you know, the best defensive coach in the country. I think that that's a statement that, that, Everybody would look at and say, "Yep, I think that's right." So
2: it's true, man. So last night there was some serious bitter tweeting yeah. war. Yeah, I,
4: I have some nerve going on, on about the, polls. Apparently, roll, have I have very, some very nerve rolling out a poll, day. Day. like really, based on tangible results. You know, and listen, uh, lax film room guy, whatever his name is, I, I respect his opinion. He's, he's clearly a smart guy, <laughs> right? But what he doesn't know, in my opinion, uh, is that the right. history of these polls has always been subjective. And what my goal is, when I'm putting together my polls is correct to eliminate all of that stuff, right? If you're looking at two teams, and you've got Richmond and you've got Virginia, and you've got two names
2: mm-hmm.
4: and it's they have the same amount of body of work, the whole planet's gonna put Virginia ahead of Richmond, right? even if Richmond's wins are better they're still going to do that and I want to eliminate that you know, when I put my polls together I was just talking to Frank Radin about it this week right and Frank is uh, you know went to Maryland a good buddy of ours and you know has a ton of passion a ton of know how about how these yep. polls work and I was explaining to him when I put my poll together and send it out tweet it out on Sunday nights it's My vote, based on big wins, which are wins over top 20 teams, offset by bad losses, which are losses to teams outside of the top 20, right? And what does that number yield? For instance, if Syracuse has five top 20 wins, five good wins, and they have no bad losses, their power number is five, right? And you take a team like Loyola that has – Two top 20 wins, Towson and Army, but two bad losses, Bucknell and Virginia. Those two bad losses offset those two wins, they're power number zero. Right? And and you go through, and if you if you put together that's the way I put together my polls. So that bad losses count. That's why I have Duke below Hopkins, Maryland, Notre Dame, Denver, Ohio State, Syracuse, because Duke still has, you know a loss to air force. And while air force I have them in my top 20 this week at 19, the reality is they not they aren't in the week 11 media poll. So that's still considered a bad loss. So the reality is Lax film room can say whatever he wants. But my poll is not about yeah, listen, that's 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 his prerogative and I respect the fact that he is outspoken about it. Now as I reference in him. my Twitter account, I'm not sure he picks up the human cues that say, "All right, well, you made your point, make another one." But that's, you know, that's, that's on him. You know, my 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 uh, my <laughs> poll is put together, I think, absolutely in the most responsible fashion. You know, I get a lot of gripe on Albany. You know, why do I have Albany ranked so low? Listen, I couldn't be a bigger fan of Scott Maher. I want to see them win but I'm not going to reward a team for having one win over the season. They have one win. They beat number 11, Yale. That's it. So how can you have a team that has one top 20 win ranked at six? What are you talking about? Right? It doesn't make any sense. Well, Biggerton had a tough week last week.
2: But, it's true. Binghamton isn't pretty You know, having situation, Albany right? they have
4: a... ranked ahead of Penn State, right. Penn State other than has last two week,
2: but prior to that.
4: Top twenty wins. Ohio State and Rutgers. Two. No bad losses. And they've played a tougher schedule. There's no way that Albany should be ranked ahead of Penn State. Right? Same thing with Hofstra. Right. Right. Hofstra has two top twenty wins. Now they do have a bad loss to Drexel, so I understand that.
2: That's right.
4: You got Johns Hopkins. Fair. Johns Hopkins has three to- has three three top twenty wins. Three. They have no bad losses. Only, only plays twenty top seven twenty teams. Top twenty teams. <laughs> three top twenty wins. Right. No bad losses and played seven top twenty teams. Albany has one top twenty win. Seven. No bad losses and have only played three top twenty teams. It's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, let's say it goes on and on and on, but Lax Film Room doesn't get that. But he's gonna go work on himself somewhere.
2: I agree. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) At we're gonna Uh, go into players and coaches of the week week before we get into our picks for the week. uh, At, who's your? You know, normally I do a
4: runner-up and all that sort of stuff. Um, but. Uh, for me, I've got my runner-up is none other than Ted Ottens from Brown. Uh, I think he won something like the first fourteen face-offs in a row against Cornell last nice. week after a dominating nice performance face-off. against uh, you know PC in two huge wins for Brown last week and to prompt, bump them into the Ivy League tournament, which I'm so pumped about. I think that they are coming together and peaking at the right time. But my player of the week is Eric Fennell, five goals for Ohio State in a huge win over Maryland. And you called it. Uh, But Eric Fennell is my player of the week, five goals in a huge win, 11 to 10 over the Maryland Terrapins at home.
2: I like it. My player of the week, Mikey Wynn, 5-0. and First off, I guess uh, my 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 runner-up, I actually do have a runner-up this week, was Sergio. Um, but yeah, I he's think, playing great. Didn't he already win player of the week? You gave yeah. it to him because you shoved him in the trash can and then he came out of the trash can and punched you in the face uh, with his six goal. He's been playing great. But Mikey Wynn had 5-0. Uh, to now to beat UNC and to force UNC to have to uh, win out. My runner up to get to the is, national tournament. So Mikey Wynn this, is, is my
4: Eric player of the Saramette week. who's your coach from of the week? Air Force, taking on Richmond and beating them nine seven at home. As we've yep. said, Air Force out in Colorado is a brutal game, and sure enough, they won that game for their second win over a ranked team. You hear that, Lax Film Room? Right, two top twenty wins. Right, two, uh, unbelievable.
2: That's right.
4: You're absolutely right. <laughs>
2: and, and, and listen, I
4: think Albany's a great team, and I'd love to see them that's go twice on. Win a as national as, championship that's twice as many as if Albany. Brown can't
2: really. win it, um, <laughs> I'm just doing quick math.
4: I, I would I, listen. Scotty Moore is one of the best coaches in the country, and their team is absolutely awesome. But they're. I'd love to, I'd love to get him <laughs> on the show. Okay. Uh, he'd be great. It's still my first. My first. Let's get him on the show. Uh, introduction, Scotty Moore was when if you're he listening, scored Mar, six come goals the against It'll the Needham time, Needler yeah. in a 13-10 1986 Yorktown over New Canaan High School victory at Sachs Junior High School. And now, Scotty Marr, look at where look at where you are, pal. Uh, I think you've got to be considered a dark horse for the national championship, but I'm still not ranking you <laughs> higher than 12 until you get more top 20 wins. That's fair. <laughs> um, so my coach of the week is back in the same game. It's got to go to Nick Myers. Uh, takes control of the Big That's Ten fair. regular season uh, with a huge 11-10 to 10 win, another yet validating win for the Buckeyes. We said, you, you know, we talked about this.
2: You said you said he's a Final Four candidate. I still haven't put a four team yeah, in my I, I Final had Syracuse, Four. Yeah, I have Syracuse, Ohio State, Notre Dame,
4: be, and Maryland, and I don't and, back and off and that. You, you I know Brownie might have State something to say about that Bernie, at Denver, but I, I still think that Syracuse, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Maryland uh, are the four best teams, and I feel good about those picks as my Final Four. Uh, who do you got? Assistant Coach of the Week, R.D.?
2: assistant coach of the week, Colin Hume. He holds Towson eight goals. Fairfield gets a huge win over a ranked team. Um, which, by the way, I had called that. I know I picked that because – the la- well, at least I picked the spread. I didn't pick the money line on Fairfield. But I did say that the last time they played yep. a, a team with a great faceoff guy was Penn State, and I believe it was almost identical score. I think it was like 10-9 or something like that. Very, very close in overtime um but uh a great win and Colin Hume my assistant coach of the week by the way I grew up with Colin he Hume was at Colgate, uh, playing lacrosse he, yeah, he was a the cross in Massachusetts he played for Framingham and he was literally a one man show and 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 he also did it for 4 years at Colgate yeah he was he was incredible at Colgate yep. and then he also did it for the Cannons he actually yep. put a short stick in his hands uh and played for quite a few years for the Cannons he's an incredible player yeah just an great. absolute animal competitor and a great guy for sure. That's so uh, my assistant coach really of the week. Sucked. What a Colin humiliating here, week a t talk to us about these um, picks because I'm pretty know, sure. I
4: this week I tweeted it out on week. Sunday. I mean, listen, you, you picked last week and you said something real irritating at the end. Like, I feel like my picks are way better than yours as I picked high point, the rock bottom ball. And, and sure enough, I woke up rock bottom myself. <laughs> I was right about high point, but I got crushed. <laughs> I was 12 for 20. Um, uh, <laughs> I got shut out, (laughs) terrible picks for me, shut out. I had UMass in the under against Hofstra. I had Maryland in the over against Ohio State. I had Syracuse in the over against Binghamton. I had Towson in the over versus Fairfield. Um, I had uh, Rutgers in the over versus Penn State. I had Yale in the under versus Albany and was wrong on both picks on all of those games. I only had two correct, which was Hopkins in the over, and Air Force in the under. You, on the other hand, were 19 and 13, did really, really well. You only had one rock bottom, oh no, you had two rock, oh no, one rock bottom pick, and you picked PC in the over, and you were wrong in that. Other than that, uh, you had Princeton in the over too, you were wrong there, but you were right on both. Hofstra in the over, JHU in the over, Air Force in the under, Fairfield in the under, Villanova in the under, and Albany in the over. So great job, RD. Now, overall, yes. you're yes. at 196 and 177. Yes. And I'm at 189 and 184. So you're up seven points overall on Sucks. I sure do. It's right next to me, and I'm not sending it to yes. one until he, until he, until he ah, stops sparring with belt. Belt and at his Do you have the belt anymore. from
2: Fantasy Football, by the way?
4: It should be a headband. Maybe we should have to be. it. It should be a headband. And in-your-face <laughs> uh, 2017 picks uh, you headband. It, oh, you, well, we don't have a camera. And you coach for the lizards. That'll be sick.
2: Ooh, a headband is a good one.
4: You and Rob Pinnell can wear your headbands together. That'll be great.
2: That's right. It's, it, you know, Well, when, when we go to the national championships, that's what we should do. <laughs> Let's get right into the picks here. We got ACC Tournament uh, this weekend, but we yeah. also have Patriot League uh, stuff too that we just actually got an email about because they put it in, right? They, uh, they had it in. So hold on. This is the email they sent us. Uh, sick show prep here, but uh, they just literally sent it to us. So um, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to put this in here. Pay special. Text. They play Friday, okay. I believe. Okay. All right. Perfect. So yeah, we have, yep. when does the Patriot League think actually play? I the ACC play?
4: championship and the Patriot
2: League That's what I thought so too, right? Sunday. And then they play the championship on Sunday or the, yeah. the following week? Wow. It's, are both on right? Sundays. That's right. That's right. So let's do, let's do the Patriot League first. You ready for the Patriot League first? I think it's,
4: um, I think right.
2: it's, so it's R- Friday. I think they're all at B.U. All, I'm pretty is it sure. all in one location or are they still at home sites? All right, perfect. So uh, so they're all playing at Loyola. Uh, Army, I like BU. Army's favored by BU one is in this one. over-under here in is season. 21. 18, uh, this was, 21. was a great
4: game in the regular season. Army won in overtime. Um, but Ryan Poley has his team playing at a really high level, and I think that the trend is going to continue, and Army feels, right. it feels like their wheels are coming off a little bit down the stretch. Um, so even though Army is favored, I'm actually going to take BU – and I'm going to take the over in this game. I am. I'm going to. Yep. I'm going to asterisk that.
2: So you're taking the money line on this. You're taking the money line and you're taking plus one here. you taking it all three. I le- I'm going to go army here. Um, yep. And I, I think one of the hardest things, and I, I repeat this a lot, is one of the hardest things is to beat the same team twice in the same season. Um... But I do think that there's a distinct advantage here. I think that BU doesn't have the Patriot League tournament experience, although they did get a great yeah. win on Lehigh. Yeah. Um, they started slow in that Lehigh game. I think it was three to three or four to three through three quarters, and then they opened it up at the end, which which is good because I mean, obviously, BU. It was very much favored in that one. Uh, I'm taking Army here. I'm taking Army with a, a win more than two. Uh, I'm taking the over in this one as well. Uh, I, I just think that Army across the board is going to be better served long term in the season with the guys that they have in shape. Uh, I, I I do agree that you know they haven't quote unquote played as well, but look you've got league games and I don't think you can glean a lot from league games because no matter what, you're going to play Dartmouth and you're going to play Dartmouth in the Ivy league. And guess what? It's going to be a relatively close game, no matter what you look at it. I mean, look, Princeton, Dartmouth was, I think it was seven, seven to five going into the fourth quarter. Pretty close. So, you know, They're naturally going to be close games. Teams want it in league, so you're going to get naturally closer games. But this one, I've got Army in Loyola versus Holy Cross. Holy Cross with the big one against Army. uh, Excuse me, against Navy. Uh, I I really like Lattimore. Loyola is they by playing Really, really really well over under here, twenty two and a half. What do you got? But I
4: just feel like Loyola is the best team in the Patriot League, and I think that um, I I think that they're going to. They're going to peak at the right time. Again, I mean, Charlie and these guys just seem to get it done. I like Loyola in this game. Uh, 22-5 seems like a high number for me. Um, so I'm going to take Loyola, but I'm going to take the under.
2: It. I'm yeah. taking. I'm taking Holy Cross to make this a close one. I think three and a half is just a large spread. I don't like these large spreads down the stretch. I just yeah. don't. I mean, I said that a couple times last week in my picks when I think it was like five and a half for Binghamton, right? There's just really big spreads there. Um, it's just baiting for you to take and I and I'm I'm taking it. I'm taking uh Holy Cross here plus really three and is, a half. These guys are really um, talented. And I'm going to take Okay, two and a half is a nice number, man. It's a really nice night. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. Uh, Lehigh, BU played last night. Number seven, Notre Dame. We're going to the ACC tournament. Number seven, Notre Dame versus. Now these games number are after. Duke. Duke. Notre Dame that. is favored by one. The over under here is 20.5. What do you got, Andy? And,
4: and Duke beat Notre Dame last time. Uh, uh, and Notre Dame was. I, favored. Yeah, it's all in Durham. And I actually had Duke in that game. Um, Justin Gooderding's playing really well, really, really well. Um, but I, but I feel like Duke's a little suspect in the goal, even though they've played well. Um, you know, and if you look at Duke's quality of wins over the course of the year, while they've won a bunch of games in a row, um, you know, the reality is they have a bad loss. I, you know, what I, I, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame in this game. I think Notre Dame gets the revenge here. Uh, So, even though they're favored by a call, I got Notre Dame and the over under. I'm going to take the under. I got Notre Dame in the under.
2: Asterix. I'm going to take Duke plus one here. Um,. I think that uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that I'm taking the money line. I'm taking the Duke. I'm taking. Hey, look, it's in Durham. It's a home game for them. Um, that's a distinct yeah. advantage there. And I'm taking the over in this one. I, you know, the last Notre Dame game it was fourteen thirteen, I believe, right with uh, Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I can expect a higher score here. I don't see it getting to. Um, you know, a 10-10 game. I, I don't I don't see that kind of a game. I see a little bit more scoring. So I'm taking Duke, the money line. I'm taking Duke plus one, and I'm taking the over. Syracuse, the number one team in the country versus number 20, UNC. Just nipping the top 20 there. Syracuse yeah. is favored by two goals. The over under here is 23. Remember, Syracuse won. <laughs> in dramatic fashion. You know, UNC lost again, by a goal to Notre uh, Dame. I think
4: they were win. up two UNC goals in the fourth time. quarter. Here, A.T.? Uh, they were up more than that against Syracuse the first time that they played. Um, I think that UNC gets over the hump this weekend. I, I Listen, I tweeted out yesterday, I hope UNC wins the, the ACC championship. I'd love, to, I'd love to see it happen because I think it would turn up the NCAA tournament committee upside down. Um, yeah, and I think that – I think UNC is playing for their life. I mean, how many times – how many pools uh,
2: it would can make Syracuse it
4: run around while playing with matches and holding the scissors upright? I mean, what, I mean I've mean, i never seen anything like it. What, like seven one-goal games? Um, and I just think that <laughs> while they play good enough to win by one, I just think UNC is playing That's for true. their life. They know it. And uh, so I'm going to take UNC, and I'm going to take the over.
2: I'm taking. I got I money won, to take UNC. I, UNC wins. I okay. really did, um, especially with the plus two there. Wow! So you got wow UNC. Wow, that's a that's a bold pick. I'm taking uh, Syracuse. I think Syracuse comes out of the gate real strong in this one. I don't know what the uh, you know the the championship looks like, but I've got Syracuse in the ACC championship here. I don't think they played very well the first time they played Carolina. I think they come out with a, a much, you know, better, smoother first half than they did. Uh, so I got Syracuse minus two. I'm taking the over. Number ten Hofstra goes to Number nineteen Towson. This is a
4: really interesting game. Uh,
2: it's uh, a pickup.
4: Hofstra You know, Towson you picked Fairfield here last week. What do you got uh, against Towson? And sure enough, they got it done. It's a credit to Fairfield. Uh, you know, does that loss to Fairfield help Towson's focus this week? I think that Hofstra's got the better goaltender coming into the game. They got the better offense, but Towson, I believe, has the better defense, and definitely has the better face-off guy. Uh, you know, does Woodall control the game? I think he does. Guy. I think he wins. You know, seventy percent of the face-offs are more. And I think Towson learns their lesson from last week. The fact that it's a pick 'em and they're playing at home. Uh, I, I have to go with Towson here. I just do. Um, and then it comes down to 19 goals. And knowing the way that Towson plays, I, I, I'm going to take Towson. I'm going to take the under here.
2: I'm taking Towson. I'm taking the under as well. I'm taking the home team every time I'm going to pick them. Right. And I'm te- definitely taking the under. Um, 11-9. Let's just put it this way. Hosher games right. are always 11-9. and That's 20 goals. And Towson has a played, hasn't played a game where I think either team has gotten to double digits. So I'm going with Towson and the under in that one. Number four, Ohio State. Goes to Piscataway, New Jersey, to play number thirteen Rutgers. This is a big one for Rutgers. They need this W in order to actually put themselves in the running uh, and get themselves out of the bubble. I feel like this OSU is, is favored such by two and a half. A line the line put out by the book is, is what 20. I think. you um,
4: here, Towers? You know, look, all, all indications are that Ohio State are gonna, is going to win this game, but Rutgers is playing for their life, the same way that UNC <laughs> is. They need to. They have to win this game. They have to win this game. Um, and I just think that there's something to be said for that. With yep. that said, Ohio State is playing really, really well. You know, I think Quinn referenced that the combination of Tommy Carey and Net and Jake Withers was the number one yeah, really. goalie face-off combination. And that's, you know, that's I think that's copying Quint because you and I already had discussed that earlier in the year. Uh, but I, I agree with them. Um, with that said, I do think that there's an element of – Playing at home and playing for your life. <laughs> and OSU coming off a huge win against Maryland. And I just think that there's got to be a little bit of a letdown there for Ohio State. But maybe not, given the season that Rutgers has had. But two and a half goals, Rutgers at home. Rutgers has a really good faceoff group as well. Is it good enough to beat, um, you know, Withers and his group? I, I don't know. I, I think Withers probably wins the majority of the faceoffs. Each team has what I consider a first-team All-American defenseman um, in Randall for OSU and Rex Road for Rutgers. I just see the game being even. I don't know if Rutgers wins, but I think Rutgers covers. So I'm going to take Rutgers, and I'm going to take the
2: over here. I'm going they to take good over as well. well I'm taking Ohio State. Rutgers just didn't, well, Rutgers and just they didn't handle the ball all in overtime. All in the last few games. Like, not good. Yeah. All right, lax film guy. I look at the last game they played, and I just, I don't know. I didn't like the way they played against Penn State at all. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm taking OSU minus two and a half here. I'm taking the over on 20 and a half. Number Uh, 15, Villanova
4: goes to Providence. I think they're a really good team. Obviously they got crushed at Denver. I called that. It's the only thing thing I called. Yep. It's to be expected. Um, I think the problem for PC
1: in this game
4: is the fact that their faceoff guy is not getting it done. While I love Tate Boyce in goal, he's clearly one of the best goalies in the country. they got a very good defense. I just think they're going to be playing defense all game long. And I think that Villanova winning the faceoffs is eventually going to wear him down. And even though it's in PC, I think Villanova's on a roll and playing really, really well at this point. So I like Villanova and I like the over.
2: I like Villanova in this one too. Um, I do like the over in this as well. Even though PC has played very good defense this year and kept teams down, I just think Villanova is running really well right now. Um, and so from that standpoint, I've got Villanova minus two and a half. Furman goes to this Richmond. This is an interesting game. 17, you know, Furman beat Air Force. Richmond is favored by two. Air uh, Force just beat Richmond, but they beat half, him right right up home.
4: Right this game is at Richmond. And I just think that Richmond has a real mental edge over Furman, even though Furman beat Air Force and Richmond just lost to Air Force. I think the loss to Air Force coming back home is going to be something that's going to help Richmond in this game. And I think that Furman, even though they're playing really, really well, I think they're due for a letdown performance. So I've got Richmond and I've got the under.
2: I'm going to take Furman plus two here. I don't think yep. they win. I'm not taking the money line on Furman, but I'm taking Furman plus two. I think it's yep. going to be a really close game. I'll take the two-goal cushion. Furman's been playing great all year. 17 and a half. You said you took the under? I'm taking the over on this one. I think that 17 and a half is actually a really good spread. Um, but I do think that Furman's been pu- um, <laughs> smart, smart. more or less. <laughs> you know what? I can't take the over on that. I can't take the over on that. No way. <laughs> 17 and a half. No way. I'm taking the under two. Uh, number 11, Yale, goes to Harvard. <laughs> two uh, What I got
4: here is that this is going Yale to be ugly. Three uh, Connor years. Mackey is going to, to destroy Harvard to face here. off X. Um, that's going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Harvard, again, like you referenced last week, going to the Princeton game, they just don't have yes. – uh, a lot to play for. I mean, they're done. They're out of the Ivy League tournament. Yale needs this to win, you know, the Ivy League outright regular season, undefeated regular season, which Andy Shea is, is I'm sure, uh, extremely frustrated by the way that the Albany game ended. I watched that game online while I was stuck in traffic at the Whitestone Bridge. And even though the traffic sucked, the game was incredible. And you got to credit Scotty Mark for bouncing back. Normally that's a game that Yale would never lose, <laughs> you know, up by four goals late in the game. They just have such a history of closing teams out, and yeah. finding a way to manage the game and win close games that that was a real aberration. But again, it speaks to the type of team that Albany is. You, you got, you got to give them credit there. But uh, I think that, Type of loss puts a fire under Andy Shea and his team, and you can bet we're going to see, I think, a fantastic bounce-back performance from Yale in this instance. Three and a half, not even close. I see Yale winning by seven or eight goals and just exploding. Uh, I like Yale in the over.
2: I like uh, Harvard here, and and not on the money line. I think Yale d- does do, you know, they do the damage on Harvard for all the reasons that you mentioned. But I think that four goal difference diminishes the fact that this is one of the biggest rivalries in lacrosse. Uh, the Harvard Yale game is a big game, and Harvard they've got seniors looking to go out strong. Uh, Yale, yes, they're going to win this game, no doubt. Uh, they're going to go undefeated in the league. And, you know, that's a big deal, too. Uh, but I just think that the three-and-a-half goal spread here is a little too large for as close of a game that I think it will be. So I'm taking Harvard plus three-and-a-half, and I'm going to take the over in this one. Number 13, Princeton. There you know, it's funny. Ithaca this is the game that we is we're talking about when we did the first over podcast of the year 22 and 22 looking and at the Ivy League 18. and trying
4: to project who was going to make the end-of-the-year Ivy League tournament. Um, and... I got to say, I was right, R.D. I said it would be, you know, Yale and Brown. I, I did say I thought Brown would win the regular season championship, and they didn't. Um, but <laughs> fortunately, they made the the tournament, so everything is still available for them, all their season goals, okay? Um, and then it, we said it was going to come down to who was going to win the game between Princeton and Cornell. Right. Princeton's had a much better That's year than I thought that they would have, and credit Matt Madelon. He's done an awesome job, you know, and it doesn't hurt to have Michael Sowers play like a first-team All-American as a freshman. That certainly does same here. Hurt. Um, but, but make no mistake about it, you know, this is a, a very, very well-coached team, Princeton here. Um, but I look at Cornell, and I look at the way that they're playing, and they've quietly gotten better and better and better over the course of the year. And while they got off to a rough start, it was an extremely young team, Jeff Keat now, has hit his stride scoring between six to eight points a game. I was talking to Timmy Goldstein about him, you know, yep. this week. Uh, he's, he's scary. I mean, he's really, really scary. Uh, who's going to win the faceoffs? How much is Princeton going to take Courier and face him off? Um, I, I think that's going to be the key in this game. Uh, I, I like, I like Cornell in this game to cover three goals Uh, I don't think they're going to win, but I think it's going to be a much tougher game than Princeton is prepared for getting off the bus down three zip. Um, So I like Cornell, and I like the over in this game.
2: (laughs) I like the over as well. I'm going to take Princeton minus three. Uh, I do think that this spread is legitimate. I just don't see – I don't see anyone keeping up with Zach Courier at the Faceoff X. I don't see anyone keeping up with Michael Sowers on Cornell's defense. In between the lines, I just I just see a Cornell having trouble with a matchup against Princeton. So I'm going to take Princeton minus three. I'm taking the over as well. Denver the last goes to Marquette, Marquette. Marquette. Denver's favored by four. The over/under here is twenty two. You chose Marquette
4: and the over, I chose Duke. Both of us should have followed Barstool Jody's lead and taken the push, because that was a push. Uh, But I'm not going to take a push in this game. I think DU has a chip on their shoulder (laughs) from losing to Marquette last season. I like Batiste at the X against Jesus Christ. Uh, So that makes this game a little bit easier for him uh, and I just think that DU's offense <laughs> is uh, is going to be too much for Marquette, so I like DU and I like the over.
2: I'm going to take the four goal uh, yep. Marquette plus four here. This is uh, this is the same game that we saw I think last year when Marquette ended up winning, right? Um, but I do think that the fact that it is at Marquette. Uh, allows them the ability to perform uh, and cover this plus four. So I got Marquette plus four here. I actually do think it's going to be a push. And I'm going to take the over on 22. Hartford goes to Albany, New York to play number six. The last time that these two
4: teams played, Hartford beat Albany in the the Amherst semis last year, right? And then Curtis, when he was coaching at Vermont, he, who did they end up beating? Stony Brook, right? Yep. Because we've all anticipated Albany-Stony Brook in the Amies final, which would have been electric, but the game was every bit That's as good. Right. Yep. Um, but I just think that Albany is on a mission here, and even though Hartford is not a top-20 team, uh, I think Albany is uh, on a mission. Um, they still have only beaten one-ranked team, RD, but I think that they're going to cover five and a half very easily in this game versus Hartford and Dylan Protesta, mm-hmm. who's the stud faceoff guy for Hartford is going to have his hands fill with TD Ireland or Ireland or however you say his name. Uh, so I like Albany easily to cover this one. And I like the over. <laughs>
2: I, I, I'm i going to take Hartford plus five and a half. Uh, I think six again is just a little too much for teams that are playing interleague right now. I'm going to take the over, though. I'm taking 23 goals. So I've got Harvard plus five and a half, and I've got the over in this one. Number nine, Penn State goes to the big house to play Michigan. You know, I, what, I, what I got is that Michigan is half. still. The over under here is 23.
4: Uh, probably a year away, uh, or, 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 you know, a defensive, a defensive performance away from really being able to compete <laughs> with those five teams that are ahead of them. And I would have said oh, yeah. that, you know, you had uh, Hopkins and Maryland and Penn State in one group, and then I would have said Ohio State and then Rutgers and then Michigan. And Ohio State is clearly in that top echelon and i think rutgers even though you know they got beat soundly by hopkins they got beat soundly by michigan they played maryland um very competitively losing in triple overtime and then of course i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry uh yeah 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 by penn state i just think that they i beat think that the michigan trend soundly. continues for Michigan against the best teams in the Big Ten, and Penn State is, you know, right there as, you know, an equal to Maryland and Hopkins and Ohio State. Um, So I like Penn State to cover here, and I like the over.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: Um, I, I like Michigan plus six and a half. I think it's just too large. Seven goals. um, It's at home. They are. Seven goals is a lot. Uh, It's at Michigan. I think this, again, Michigan's starving for that Big Ten win. Yep. I, I don't think they necessarily get it, but I think seven goals is too much for Penn State to cover on this one. I'm going to take the over, though. I do think that both teams are going to score. So I'm taking Michigan plus six and a half here. IYF, game of the week and I think this has got to be over 100 years, right? This game has been played. Number eight, Johns Hopkins, goes to college. Uh, I was to speaking to five, Maryland. Terrapins. Maryland, the Maryland
1: this week, as I referenced before Frank Raiden, over
2: here is twenty-four, uh,
4: who is an emotion evoker out of Long Beach, uh, about this game. And I think the winner of this game is going to be the loser when they <laughs> have the rematch in the Big Ten tournament. I don't know if they're going to end up in the championship. It kind of depends on what happened. They may play each other in the first round, but I think, um, championship. you know, whoever wins this week is going to lose. That's true. The next That's time true. that these two teams play, uh, which I think is going to be in the big 10 tournament, which will be if they both win and whatever happens, happens. So uh, I think in this game, I think JHU beats them. I don't know if Colin Heacock is healthy and ready to go. A hamstring is what I hear it is. And hamstrings, as you know, uh, linger and, you know, what's the upside for Maryland to rush him back? Obviously, the kid's going to want to play more than anything yeah. against yeah, do. Johns Hopkins in what's arguably the sport's biggest rivalry. Um, but I, don't, I think John Tillman and those guys are too smart to rush Colin Heacock back for a regular season game at the possible expense of not having him in the Big Ten tournament. More importantly, most importantly, their national championship run. Um, and so I don't expect to see Colin Heacock in uniform. I think that that affects the way Maryland plays. Um, and I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a slow game. Uh, even though we got great offenses, I think we're going to see a slow game. Uh, I don't love the goalie for either team. Yep. I've said it all along. Maryland's goalie, in my opinion, is their Achilles heel. Uh, Hopkins has... Even though they've kind of settled in on turnball right now, it doesn't it doesn't seem like I'm, I'm not I don't see that as a strength for their team. Um, and then it comes down to the faceoff facts. Hunter Moreland's just done an unbelievable job. And how does he do against Henningsen? I think he wins the matchup. I really do. If he's healthy and is able to play all game long, I think Hopkins controls the middle of the field yep. off the draw, and I think that that's going to be the key to winning a low scoring game. So I got Hopkins money line winning outright and the under.
2: I'm going to take Maryland, uh, and I'm going to actually disagree with you. Uh, I got Maryland running the table all the way through. Um, I just don't think it's it's one of those games that look Maryland's had Johns Hopkins number, and I think it continues based on what I see from the matchups. You know, this is this is a big season for Rambo. He's got to be. Has been. Got to. He's be. been incredible again. Yeah. Uh, putting himself where I think he's top five uh, finalist for the Tourton. Um, he has to be. He has to be. Um, and so from that, you don't think, you don't think Nick Fields can Hopkins Hopkins cover him, winning this game. So I'm taking Maryland minus one and a half.
4: Yeah, he's, he's a he's a is a is a one is a one that, dimensional you know, all time right, leading scorer in Maryland lacrosse history.
2: He's not one dimensional at all. I just I think what's he's wrong with you. that statement?
4: You know, Michael Jordan was a jump shooter, Ryan. <laughs> a decent mid-range game as a jump shooter.
2: Oh man. Um <laughs> Yeah, he was okay. Um so from that standpoint, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take I, I just yes, I think Fields is a great defender. I just think that combined the skill set for Rambo and their attention to Rambo will open up everyone else. Uh, and they're gonna see some goals. I, I'm gonna take Maryland. I'm gonna take the over in this one. Oh, AT, wow. you gotta finish this strong. Well, here. I looked at these teams.
4: Thankfully, the rock Brown swept bowl. PC and Cornell last week, and given their collision with Dartmouth this weekend, they were they were they were in danger of being in the rock bottom. <laughs> I mean, hey, Dartmouth. Dartmouth certainly has done their part to get Ooh,
2: there. Ooh, it was close.
4: Um. But I am going <laughs> to the CAA. Two teams uh, that have each had a top 20 win this year. Um, and one was as recent as last week. But just not enough to avoid it. Interesting. Which is an appearance in the rock bottom oh. ball. And that's going to be... Delaware it's- at Fairfield.
1: <laughs> That's the
4: rock bottom hole this week, RD. And as you know, in the RBB, there's no favorite. There's no line. There's no over under. <laughs> it's just a pick 'em. What do you got?
2: <laughs> it's just, it's a pick 'em. It's
4: at Fairfield.
2: <laughs> Fairfield, Delaware. Uh, uh, where is it? I
4: referenced. That Fairfield couldn't get to I'm the summer Fairfield. fast enough, and what did they do? <laughs> they stuck it to me, and they beat Towson. Um, with that said, <laughs> there's no way they beat Towson after the season that they've had. That they're going back to back with this team. These kids can't get to the beach fast enough. They what? They got their win over their ranked opponent. Delaware is playing in Shill's last game, I believe. <laughs> And I think they send them out a winner. I'm going with Delaware. Uh, Both these teams are out. That's what prompted them into the rock bottom bowl.
2: So Delaware didn't make the ACACA tournament? (laughs) Ooh, that's the worst. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's uh, that's all for the show today. As always, you can check us out, In Your Face Lax, on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook Lax all stars as well. You can check them out uh, on all the same media platforms. We'll be back next week, Wednesday morning, 9. AM for a recap of all of this week's picks. And of course we'll have another guest on with us. Uh, But in the meantime, as always enjoy the weather. It's been a little rainy these last few days, uh, but hopefully it opens up for this weekend for a beautiful weekend of lacrosse. Uh, Thank you again, as always for the listen. And tune in Sisu, next Sisu, we take a very Thank scientific
0: you. approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor developed, scientifically backed, industry changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet. To guarantee you're protected. Mm. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu, talk, breathe, drink.
1: Beekman Golf Course is one of New York State's most spectacular 27-hole public facilities. Located in Dutchess County, right off the Taconic Parkway, Beekman boasts a full-service golf shop, driving range, and restaurant with daily specials and cold beverages. Surf the course on the new golf boards, the fast and fun new golf experience. Book your tee time today at BeekmanGolf.com and see the spectacular views of the surrounding Cats Hill and Berkshire Mountains that have made Beekman Golf Course famous for over 50 years. Let's play today.